Today is the second in our two-part conversation with Adam from Gardener's Tale. We started last Wednesday talking about predominantly fruit trees, but the emphasis of the combined conversation is on the winter care for all of our fruit, be it trees, shrubs, currants, bushes, all those things. So we'll be picking up that conversation where we left it off last Wednesday, and we'll be getting into much more depth onto our garden shrubs and berry bushes today. I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 119 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today we are continuing our conversation that we started last week with Adam from Gardener's Tale. We get into quite a lot of depth around how to look after our (coughs) raspberry canes, our currants and berries, along with adding to the conversation that we started last week talking about fruit trees. The two conversations do very much go hand in hand. So if you did miss last week's episode, I strongly recommend that you listen to that first or at least consider listening to it afterwards if you feel like there were some things you might have missed having listened to this episode. Anyway, I will hand you over now to Adam and thank you very much for listening. Cheers. The kind of aspects I guess I take from that is when I am planting, as I say, mix in with the old soil so it gets used to the old soil. I think a lot of people go wrong when they dig a hole, put the, um, let's say it's an apple tree from uh, a bare root, and they'll fill the whole hole with compost and then just put the old soil on top. The the, um, tree's going to think that it's just in a big pot because it's in a pot of compost. And it's going to say, yeah. I'm happy in this compost. I'm not going to bother reaching out Bring and out trying there. to go um, in that low nutrients mud further across. <laughs> um, sure. So then it does kind of, but by mixing it in um, with the compost or slow release fertilizers or, or whatever you've got, any, you know, anything of um, organic matter or nutrients will, will aid it in that. Even, you know, if you've just got some ash, just dig some ash in with the old soil. It's something um, yeah. that it's going to reach for. You know, you're kind of dangling the carrot to get it to go out um, in in that sense. Yeah. I suppose the only last thing I would add to this, um, because it's sort of my ethos, is um, obviously I'm very attached to the idea of no dig gardening. And yeah. the reason I'm attached to it is because of the healthy foil, uh, soil food web that develops there and the fungal mycelium that kind of act as transport networks for all of these amazing nutrients and things and i think if you're planting a tree into what is otherwise a relatively undisturbed soil then it's going to have a really healthy system and network of nutrient 
dispersation around it so it's going to have that little head start as well rather than if you are planting it in for example in, in a garden a new build house then everything is going to be kind of starting from scratch yeah. so um perhaps you know that that compost and that extra amount of nutrients is going to be far more important in an environment like that yeah absolutely i think that's that's kind of a good summary you just got to really understand the, the soil that you've got um and, and your garden and, and realize you know if it's a undisturbed area or um you know your garden was a field or something then you can kind of realize that you know if it was that field it's been plowed a lot it's been broken down a bit you know you're going to need to put a little bit of nutrients in there to help that um kind of decomposition down there and the fungi to get down there and and bits whereas if it's an undisturbed garden that's been a garden for for you know tens of, or decades it's it's going to be fine with not excessively digging a big crater you know um i would just say lastly on that kind of point um we, we were discussing um obviously we're doing fruit trees and things now um if you are going to plant something a bit more tropical um like a fig or even some people kind of uh if they've got a nice walled garden if they're, if they're fortunate enough to have a walled garden and people are going to yeah. start going for the kind of citrus um you know you, you are able to grow citrus outside um if you fleece it and things like that so there's a couple of obviously uh wild cards as it were so um that you may need to add more drainage sand or grit um or or a citrus compost that you would have to um you can't just plant uh you know unless you've done soil tests um for the acidity of your soil but you probably want to change that with the the citrus compost and things like that okay so so i've never heard of citrus compost before adam what, what is it so it's the the ph of it would be um done to a degree that it would aid the plant more um and then yeah in in the sense of if you're doing a fig you, you wouldn't need the citrus compost for the fig just for the orange and the um the lemon tree yeah but um with the fig you would probably want to you can even put some crushed hardcore at the base obviously if it's clean it hasn't got chemicals in it um and sand yeah. for the kind of drainage that it needs with the well especially in this climate um with the the heavy rainfall and things like that yeah i, I planted two figs actually they were bare root and they were small i don't know what size but maybe Oh, 60 or 70 centimeters. So really small. And they are grow going great guns. And I, uh, I did everything that you're, you're supposed to do. I, um, what's the word? I box in the roots. I put, I had five, um, I think they were about a foot square or a foot and a half square each tiles. So I basically built a box with these tiles, put some hardcore in the bottom, put the figs in there in this box to contain the roots. And they are doing amazingly well. The, of all the trees I've planted, they're the ones that have just blown all the others out of the water. So I'm really pleased with that. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, that sounds amazing. You'll have to do an, uh, an update on those. You can now support the show directly. Just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. You can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount. Pledging as little as $3 a month makes a huge difference. If that's not your thing, you can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you that make this show possible.
once you've planted it, um, obviously give it, give it a stake if it's planting um, on a kind of normal budget. I'm sure you've got a smaller tree, um, so you'd only yep. need um, one stake at a 45 degree angle. And as we discussed before with the rubber ties and bits, um, once you've done that, you might want to think about giving it a little bit of a prune once you've planted it. So this can be, you know, if you're happy with it being a, a goblet tree or a dwarf pyramid, it totally depends on what you're going for um, with the actual yeah. end result of the shape. So if you're happy with the height, um, then, you know, you're fine taking out the leader and you can grow it as a goblet. But, you know, if you want to get it to be that that bigger tree, then leave it as that dwarf pyramid to to shoot up the the leader um, to get to the good height. Um, and then yep. also think about if you were training it along a wall or training it along wire, you could think about putting it as a cordon, um, which is uh, a, a tree at effectively a 45 degree angle um, and you can line them up. It's quite good for increased fruit yields because um, you can fit quite a lot in a small space. Um, yeah. Or if you've only got one tree and you want it to fill a bigger space, you could think about fanning it along a wall, which is kind of like a hand, you know, uh, lots yeah. of shoots going at different angles. That's great for yields as well. Um, or a spalier, which is kind of long horizontal lines um, along a wall, which it's trained. And yeah. that's pretty awesome for apples, cherries, pears, fruits. All of them are great because it just hangs in lines and it just looks beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, super yeah. Easy to pick. And you just do that with sort of you just do that with bamboo and string. Or... Uh, I would recommend wire. It... Um, I okay. mean, you can use bamboo. Bamboo rots. Metal wire doesn't rot. It's yeah. I would probably say metal wire. Um, yeah. But I think when you um, purchase pre-made um, fans or um, espaliers, they they are on bamboo frames. Um, I usually take those off and then put it on my own wire um purely because i want them to be perfectly straight and i feel with bamboo um and the wind and things it's an extra sail and it, it warps yeah. as well um so yeah i, I sure. would highly recommend wiring them on some tensioned wire sure um and then okay. it enables you also let's say you've got it on a fence you can just pull the wire off um and and paint the fence if you know you need to maintain that at any stage um yeah. or if you want to readjust anything you've got that flexibility there with, with the wire sure sure okay what next so i think that's pretty much everything for the um the the, the winter care for the oh actually for the fruit trees actually winter care it's probably worth thinking about um I know it's very basic and simple, but really just give it a good tidy up below. Um, rake up all the, the leaves and the old fruit and things. It's something that we kind of just forget about. Um, you know, if you've had some windfalls and or you've picked them early and missed a few and they've fallen on the ground, do clear them up. And same with the, um, the leaves. Just make sure that you reduce the um, possibility of diseases or anything like that or pests or anything just yeah. just clear up um underneath your, your fruit trees and things 
Um, give them a mulch. Yes. <laughs> that was the last one. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Carl's favourite mulch. Give him a good mulch. I do love a. I do love a mulch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Give him a nice thick mulch, and then that will obviously seep through and um, and help with the uh, root growth for next year. So, is it on to fruit bushes? Yes. Now? Yeah. So, um, for fruit bushes, um, I would say, well, first of all, we'll start with with the pruning. Um, I've kind yeah. of separated it into two categories. Um, we've gone for the kind of bush varieties. So you've got your kind of all your currants, your red, white, and black, um, your gooseberries and your blueberries, yeah. those sort of shrub bushes. Yeah. Um, and then the second kind of category that we'll talk about pruning is your cane varieties. So your raspberries, um, blackberries, loganberries, those sort of things. Yep. Yeah. So when pruning the bush varieties, you want to use a similar fruit technique to the apple trees and the pears and the things that we were talking about earlier by taking out the dead, dying disease and crossing branches. So yeah. by doing that, once again, you're allowing the light to get in there. You're going to build a better structure. So the um, the bush will become thicker and stronger in, in the center part of it. So it's going to be able to yeah. provide a lot better fruit for next year. And we're also going to be avoiding those diseases that come with the, uh, you know, the rubbing and the associated damage to the bar. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just about, you know, bringing the whole shape and structure within. So it, it, yeah, it really thickens up and can support more fruit and more growth for next year. So it's it's a stronger plant. And with, and with our fruit bushes, as opposed to our fruit trees, we're, we're not, and again this is a question i'm going to say it as a statement but i'm asking a question really we're not going to then follow that up with a summer prune are we it's going to be this is the prune. yeah unless um you know for any instance that during the summer you accidentally snap a branch off in with a, a a bush i would certainly say just just get it off there and then sort of thing um yeah so once again you know you're not wasting energy for for that bush yeah, um, but in term, but in terms of general maintenance, this is the only pruning this this shrub is going to get, isn't yeah. it? Is once in the yeah, winter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah. a little bit. So on these bush varieties, you kind of blueberries and gooseberries and things are very similar. But with the um, the black currants, they they're not classed as a cane. It is um, still long stems, but that could do with a good thin out because um, sometimes it becomes quite congested within all the um yeah center bits and usually you want to take the old older canes out um you can leave some older canes for fruit but it's better to take the thicker older canes out um stems sorry so the new ones will have more energy um and youth <laughs> with the with the fruit and yeah, yeah. And pieces like that so then also well i I suppose it's much like thinning your annual vegetables, isn't it? You know, every so often, you you, you know, if you've got 10 of something in a, a foot long section of row, then we need to take six of them out. And it's just a case of which yes, six. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as I'm sure when you're growing it, you want it to expand out. So the young ones are more commonly on the outside. So it, it brings that to become a bit wider as well. And you can have more fruit on the on the bush in that sense. So with the fruit bushes, then we're really just kind of almost looking at them as small trees. Does that 
sound right. I know they're not, but you know, in terms of the the winter pruning, it's doing everything we would do to a tree just on a smaller scale. Absolutely, yeah. And then same again with the kind of shape and structure. You just are kind of doing it to how you want it to be. If you've got the space, you can let it be a big bush with lots of fruit on. But you know, if you've got a smaller garden, there's no harm with cutting it back um, so it doesn't grow beyond the, a pathway or, or the grass sort sure. of thing. Sure. Awesome. And what about if we wanted to, you know, thin it out a little bit more or even separate and get two two plants out of one? I know we're going to be talking in um, a couple of weeks, aren't we, specifically about fruit propagation. So we don't need to go too much in, in depth in that, but um, just a really quick thought on, you know, thinning something right back or perhaps even separating it. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're going to... Um thin something back um, or within your cuttings that you're doing do save those um, because now is a sort of great time to propagate them, which we'll, we'll talk about on another episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once again, if you're going to be splitting, obviously some of these bush varieties, you wouldn't be able to split. It's more on the canes, but there are a few um, you can split, you know, some of your currants and things like that um, okay. or gooseberries or anything that's sent that kind of, runner underneath then you can split them and, and create another um, plant from that yeah it's really easy for you to get in touch with us you can do it either by sending an email to selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com or by using the link in the show notes to send us a voice message you can send us a voice message just using your phone you could also reach out to us on facebook where we have the Self-Sufficient Hub group and the Self-Sufficient Hub page. We're always thrilled to get your feedback, questions or suggestions for future topics on the show. So next up, we'll talk about uh, the cane varieties. So these, once again, are your kind of raspberries, your blackberries, your loganberries, those sort of things. Yeah. Um, so... If we start with raspberries, they're all a little bit different, but follow a similar sort of concept. So raspberries, you have two kind of main groups. You've got your summer varieties that will fruit in, um, you know, June, July sort of time. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got your autumn varieties. So they're September, October and onwards. Um, so the autumn ones are the easiest. You just merely cut them right down to the ground at this sort of time. Once they've, you know, finished all the fruiting and the leaves are off, um, you know, depending on your location and things, cut them just above the ground uh, because they fruit on one-year-old growth, whereas summer raspberries will fruit on the second-year growth. So any cane that has fruited this year, you want to take those out um, and then leave the, the new canes, which will be your fruit for the following year. And that's all raspberries. Yeah, that's it. That's very, very, okay. um, it's very simple. With the new shoes, what I like to do is tie them in. Um, so I know that those ones I'm going to keep or tie them in a certain way. So in the winter, you can see which are the, the new and the old. But I mean, it should be apparent with the the hard, the woodiness and things like that. Yeah, well, this is all um, very new to me. I've never grown raspberries before. I've got a few canes. And I've got two patches. I've got a patch that I picked up from Free Cycle that were free. 
and I've kind of abandoned them because the plan was always to transplant them and I haven't got around to doing it yet. And then I was given for my birthday this year in June some beautiful raspberry canes. They really were healthy, but they've not done a thing yet. So I'm assuming that for those new ones, I'm not to touch them. And next year, I'm expecting to see some summer fruit on them. Does that sound right? My birthday's in June. That's when I was gifted them. So they had the they had fruit on them. Uh, no, 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 no. No, never seen a fruit on them, but really long, healthy canes. Uh, it'll probably be summer ones. It, um, so the fruiting is between, is, you know, June, some, summer sort of time. So June, July, that's when the summer raspberries will yeah. fruit. Um, and then the, there's quite, quite a gap, really. Um, it's depending on your location. So if you're, you know, you're in, in the south of the UK, let's say, you'll probably hit the summer ones in June and then not until September, you'll probably get the autumn ones fruiting. So you'll see a noticeable difference. Yeah. Um, so given, maybe... given that I've not seen any fruit on these and I got them in June, I would expect them to be summer fruiting for next year. Does that sound right? Hopefully. Yeah. It's, it's hard <laughs> yeah. To I would yeah. certainly research the, the, the great thing is variety names. Have a look at if you've got the label yeah. or anything like I'm that. I'm sure I do. I'm sure Have I a look do. at the variety name and it, it'll tell you. But um, if it's got those shoots at that sort of time, I imagine it would be um, someone's. But yeah, they should. I don't, I don't know what maturity you've got the cane. So they should um, have uh, those sort of uh, fruits on if they were more mature. But maybe they were the shoots ready for um, ready for next year's. Sure. Well, either way, they're doing very well, so uh, I'm, not, I'm not concerned. <laughs> Good. Yeah, so a, a great thing about raspberries is um, once you get them established, they will grow like mad. Um, you know, I'm constantly thinning out my raspberries uh, in my fruit cage. They just run absolute riot. Um, this year I had one yeah, yeah. that was, you know, easily 12, 14 foot high. It was just crazy. They just went for it um, with all the heat. To my benefit on uh, on this occasion, listeners <laughs> might be interested to know that I've uh, I've actually scheduled a, a little um, mushroom foraging trip with Adam. We're going to meet up in a month or so, and I'm going to take him out mushroom foraging, and he's going to gift me some of his uh, surplus raspberry canes. Isn't that right? So I'm yes. very much looking forward to that. Yeah, so they're <laughs> just a brilliant one to. Um to just have because they constantly they just give they give you fruit they give you new plants because they'll send little yeah. runners underneath um yeah. it'll be great for you you know in the future you'll be able to sell these sort of um as as raspberry canes and things so um, yeah like yeah. i like i do with my strawberries at the moment yes yeah they're, they're prolific just like straw strawberries once they're established absolutely fantastic so moving on um yeah we're going to go on to kind of the blackberries and loganberries i'll put them in the same sort of group because they're they're canes but they they climb a bit more than raspberries um so raspberries you would kind of have on wire that would be you know about four foot five foot high sort of thing um and you'd train at them obviously um horizontally along the along the um the wire there but blackberries, you can span out a lot taller, so you can get them up to seven foot sort of um, on a wire yeah. training area. Um, so once again, this is similar to the kind of summer raspberries. They'll be producing fruit on two-year-old branches. Um, so the only thing I would say on, on blackberries is even though two years old and maturer, um, 
will fruit the the blackberries they you don't need to cut them out um unless they've become too old that they you want to take them out effectively um because they've not become as unproductive they will still fruit um but it's it's best to just let uh let the plant get established because raspberries can establish so quickly because within the first year or the second year they can you know get all the fruit on and but i find that blackberries are a little bit and loganberries in the same sort of bracket they can um take a little bit longer um to to grow and get you know a big yield with a few raspberry plants you can you know make a couple of pots of jam quite happily but blackberry takes a little bit longer um especially these kind of thornless varieties um yeah obviously you know wild ones they're pretty prolific aren't they um yeah try try and stop them yeah (laughs) They're, they're, (laughs) they're a lot smaller um, whereas these yeah. are a lot bigger, so it takes a little bit more time. But you know, get them in, get get them training, and then once you're happy with them um, producing fruit, then you can start taking the canes out um, and and bringing them down in a similar technique to the to the summer raspberries there. Yeah, got you. Where are we headed next? Well, I would I would move on to once again um, the, the the care of these guys is very very yeah. similar to you know your fruit tree care you want to be giving them um a good mulch um yeah these guys are a lot more sensitive to kind of frost damage and things so if you put a nice thick layer of um mulch on there it's going to help protect the the roots and things like that so um yeah once again mulch is just just really crucial um if you want a good fruit yield and you want to reduce that kind of um staggered yield or staggered growth or anything like that you're keeping them warm you're going to help them in the long run there yeah that just a a few inches of mulch makes so much difference to the temperature just below the soil i mean that i suppose that the best way to think about it is you know the soil just four inches down is going to be a completely different temperature to the soil seven inches down so by adding three inches of of mulch you've effectively brought all of that up and that um frost protection that the top few inches of of soil is giving to what's below it you know you're adding that again on top aren't you absolutely and and not only that the fact that you're creating a warmer climate below when the um outside climate starts to warm up the soil it's already going to have a head start on the heat so it's going to start earlier so once again that's a, a real big benefit yeah extending your season find self-sufficient hub content elsewhere online in lots of other places we have a youtube channel we also have our website and now there's our facebook page and facebook group links to all of these you can find in the show notes come check us out well are there any other fruit bushes fruit plants fruit canes that you wanted to mention that we haven't yet or shall we start talking about uh, how we sort of move them yeah so i mean i would say um with these guys with the planting it would be the same sort of technique um as the fruit trees if you're going to plant um let's take raspberries or, or some of the canes and you're going to do a line of them then you can do a trench um which is quite good. I know obviously that kind of goes against the 
um, the methodology of don't disturb the soil in a sense, but by creating that trench and um, filling it with all that goodness and the kind of the biochar and um, mm -hmm. the compost and stuff, it, it really does cause these guys to go absolutely bananas and they don't need a huge amount of space. So that's why, you know, you can grow all these bushes and canes and things on in, in containers because their roots aren't going to go as, ex as extensive as a tree. So um, yeah, you can trench plant, it will save you time. And um, it, it's just wonders for the um, for the root growth of the, the bushes and things. And you've also got to think you're going to be mulching um, on top. So you're giving them that uh, nutrients below and then the mulch is eventually going to leach through. So you're constantly kind of drip feeding them nutrients. So, um, yeah, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, for sure. And when you say... Uh trench plant them do you i mean what do the roots look like is it a long almost like you'd see on a root ball do you sort of lay the roots horizontally along the trench and then up or are you digging a deep trench how does it look so i'll probably dig a, a trench about a, a foot deep um no deeper you know you don't want to go too deep on there it, it it does depend on you know the size of the canes that you've bought or what you're planting obviously there's a a big variety of different plants and things that you could either get bare root um or or in pot grown so yeah it, it does depend on that but um yeah i would probably say just half as much deep as the bare root or the pot or whatever you know you're, you're planting because as i said they're pretty shallow rooted they're not going to go as deep as a um you know the, the trees and things yeah and and of course they don't need quite so much anchoring either, do they, against the wind? Because if they're a bush, then they're going to be the the habit is going to be quite a bit more spread out, both above and below ground. And if they're a cane, then they're almost certainly, if we're doing our job right, they're going to be supported as well, aren't they? Def yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're going to be um, supporting the canes, which are um, going to be needing that support, and that that enables you to do these kind of nice nice straight lines, so you can really maximize your, your your cropping there because you can put them in quite a small space um along these thin lines and just keep pruning them back along the lines yeah awesome is there anything else we haven't covered yet adam or has that ticked off everything on your list i think that's pretty much everything the only thing i would say is obviously um pests and diseases in the winter really um yeah there's various things you can get obviously um die back from the frost and things is, is is one of them but you can get you know various things like canker on on trees and things um leaf curl things like that but i always find if you're doing your job right with the pruning and the mulching you don't get diseases really um, i was about because... to say the two the two things to sort of counter them before they happen it is going to be the, the pruning and the mulching isn't it definitely yeah and you know even just being being aware of things and seeing that you know, if you see this kind of jelly forming or, a, a, you know, a, an odd growth within a plant, if a plant's going at a, you know, 90 degree angle and then it, it, you, you're going to take that branch out straight away. You're not going to um, leave it and um, let it spread throughout or um, waste its energy on that. You know, you're going to be on top of these sort of things. So um, and, and you're going to be cleaning up as well below, you know, don't have a rotten log pile below your apple no. tree or something like that you're going to be keeping it clean fresh and so the air can get around there and there's not going to be bacteria and things building up there and a lot um, of the um a lot of the molds and fungus uh, diseases 
they're going to be on the leaf, aren't they? And once the leaves have fallen, if we get them away again, that's just another bit of good husbandry to not necessarily cure everything, but, you know, just to keep on top of everything and reduce the chances of these problems building up. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And also with, with your pruning, getting the pruning right. Um, you know, when you are cutting with the, with the saw, it's really key actually with these kind of bigger branches and the big lumber and timber you're going to be taking off, do them at an angle where the rain will run off yes. um, rather than doing a straight cut. Cause you, you see in these old trees, you know, and you wonder how they get a hole in them. It's, you know, it's caused by the, the rot, by a poor cut or something like that. And then, yeah. you know, that causes it to, the, well, the longevity of it, it, it causes a lifespan to, to decrease and, you know, illness. And then you'll find these small little apples or, or whatever. It just doesn't do it any good. So really be making sure you've got a nice clean saw or pair of loppers or whatever you're going to be using. Make sure yeah. it's clean. And if you're moving from, tree to tree just give it a wipe off um with some antibacterial um wipes or, or anything just to make sure that you're not passing on any diseases um and you know make sure it's not rusty saw or anything like that yeah the other tip that i got from you from one of your uh, youtube videos actually was about which way round to hold your succoteurs and to have the the sharp particularly on bypass succoteurs i'm not so sure it's um it's as important for the other kind but for bypass succoteurs have your blade on the side of the plant that is being kept yes yeah absolutely and that, yeah so once again same with the loppers when using a bypass um because you've kind of got that mouth that's going to come up. And then especially um, I always I always see when um, people, especially older people, um, when they're cutting, um, you know, they're really struggling with this uh, pair yeah. of loppers on this branch. And you think just use a saw. Um, yeah. And they end up rubbing the bark away a little bit. And then you've just kind of, you've made a big wound anyway from the cut. And then you've rubbed yeah. the kind of... Um, area around it and and cause more open wounds there yeah and so and... just for, for sorry for those following along that uh, aren't familiar because i like to make sure that everything i say is is 100 percent accessible so um there's basically there's two different types of shears isn't there two different types of of, of cutters and yes you've got your yep. by, by, bypass suckers and what's the name of the other type i forget so the bypass passes um passes by the blade and then the anvil secretary um, which kind of crushes yeah once again i i'm not really a fan but um yeah it, it it's good for anvils more for dead wood let's put it that way because if you're using it on living wood you're crushing it yeah um whereas the bypass buys pass the blade goes bypass and cuts it uh, a more yeah, cleaner yeah. cut um yeah. and another little tip on pruning is if you are taking a, a heavy lumber off take it in stages you know don't you're taking quite a long branch off don't take it right back to where you want to um cut it because you're going to get a horrible rip or something like that on the um the trunk which once again opens up a bigger wound so just take it take it in stages um and also on the kind of final cut do what's called an undercut where you would cut below the branch and then uh for about you know a, a quarter of the way through or a third and then go through the top and then it will reduce that kind of heel rip on the on the on the yeah. trunk there 
Yeah, it'll also prevent if you if you take it in stages, it'll also prevent the bow you're taking off doing damage to other parts of the tree as it clatters through it, won't it? Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, and also, if you're you know if you're doing a renovation prune um, on a, a mature tree, so you've got a big tree and you're thinking, look, I want to thin it out. Don't um, once you let's say you've established the, the branch you want to take out, don't cut it and then yank it out. Because when when people do that, you're just destroying all those lovely buds on the rest of the, the 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 tree there, and you know people you see people just yanking these branches out of the tree, and yeah, that's just a, another kind of do not do um, because you're just yeah. going to lose all those those kind of nice fat fruiting buds um, for next year, and once again more rips and cuts. So um, yeah, just be careful on those sort of things, and also cut close to the tree um, trunk. Don't leave what's called a coat hanger which is where it's just like a little stub because that will yep. die and then you'll get um funguses and diseases on that which rots back to the uh the center yeah, yeah. trunk all great advice as usual adam well thank you ever so much for your time today and thank you in advance for your time in the future before we wrap up do you want to just let everyone know again where they can find you yeah absolutely so um it's gardener's tale um i've got a small youtube channel where I post videos on how to and all things gardening. Um, and then I've got an Instagram um, account, which is once again, Gardener's Tale. So um, yeah, do check it out. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Speak to you soon. Cheers, Carl. Take care. If you find this podcast valuable, there's several ways you can support it. The easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. You could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online, including your social media pages. And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon.